Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. How you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. It is great to see all of you. Hey, just curious, how many of you have a recliner similar to this at home? Let me see your hands. Man, that's amazing. These things are amazing, aren't they? Don't you just love recliners? I love them. How many of you ever been to um, these modern, you know, like movie theaters, like Epic Theater or something like that? And they have these amazing, like, leather recliners you can just kind of chill out in, watch an amazing flick. I remember growing up as a kid, my mom and my dad had matching Lazy Boys in our family room. How many of you remember back in the day, the Lazy Boys? Man, those things are amazing, right? Well, some of you still have those Lazy Boys, and maybe you're uh, too fond of them. You don't get rid of them. But here's the thing about a recliner. A recliner just allows you to relax, right? It, it just, it, it just kind of like exudes comfort. I mean, like today... I mean, you're going to have the opportunity to see who actually will win to form the final four of March Madness. I mean, isn't that going to be amazing, ladies? Aren't you jacked up for that? You know, for some of you, you know, you're going to cuddle up later today and kind of just kick back in your, your recliner and take a good old Sunday afternoon nap. How many of you like good old Sunday afternoon naps? I mean, you can't beat a Sunday afternoon nap. Maybe later this evening you may have a, an opportunity to kind of kick back and enjoy the recliner as you watch an amazing movie. You know, when you think about recliners, you think of one thing, right? You think of comfort. You think of comfort. There's something about recliners and comfort that are synonymous. Well, today we're continuing in our series that we're calling Like Jesus. And today what we're going to do is we're going to learn the importance and the priority of serving like Jesus. Now what's interesting is over the the last really couple of weeks since we started this series, we uh, God just put on my heart a specific passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 9. And I've been pulling out specific words and phrases out of Matthew chapter 9 to help us, I think more importantly, to get a picture, to get a better understanding of the heart of God, and specifically to get into the heart of Jesus as he lived here on this earth, just like you and me. And Jesus came for one reason, that was to seek and to save that which was lost. He came here on mission, and he came here to fulfill the assignment that God had given to him for your sake and for mine. And the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area. It was a region of Galilee. And Jesus was teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, everybody say, saw When he saw the crowds, he 
had compassion on them. Say the word compassion. He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are what? Say it out loud. Few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. The opportunity is great. In fact, the need is so overwhelming, there's not enough people to fill the holes, to meet all of the needs, to meet the demands of those who are ready for the gospel, the good news, the life-changing message of Jesus. There are more people out there who have never heard, that don't know, that don't understand, than there are those of us who are ready to share and to give the hope of Jesus Christ to them. You know, what's interesting is that when you think about this whole issue of comfort, we live in a culture of comfort, don't we? I mean, think about it for just a moment. We want a comfortable home to live in, right? We want, you know, a, uh, we want a comfortable, you know, piece of furniture like a recliner to sit in. We, we like comfortable clothes. And, you know, when you think about people who get up each and every day and they go to work, why? Many of them, they go to work not just to put meat on the table, food on the table. No, no, a lot of people, they go and they work hard. They sacrifice a lot. Why? Because they want to be able to make a comfortable living. They want to be financially comfortable. You know, when you think about when we travel, we like to sit in a comfortable seat. If you can afford it, you like to sit in first class where you have the recliners up front, right? And when you stay at a hotel, we like to stay at the Comfort Inn, correct? I mean, think about it. Man, life our culture, we are all about, it is all about comfort. It's all about perhaps what we can do to make ourselves comfortable. But here's the thing. At the, at the same time, we, we live in a world that is also very uncomfortable. We have pandemics. We have inflation we have supply chain issues. We have political and social unrest. We have natural disasters. We have humanitarian crisis all over the world. We have wars that are taking place and rumors of wars that are going on. And on top of all of that, people are coping with stress and fear and anxiety. A lot of people are carrying tremendous burdens still recovering over the last two years of what many have had to suffer and endure because of grief and loss that many have encountered in their life. Well, no wonder people are seeking comfort because we live in an uncomfortable world and culture. 
And so when you think about it, a lot of people are seeking comfort and a lot of people perhaps are thinking to themselves that they need comfort because of being in an uncomfortable world. But here's the thing we need to also understand. And this is huge. Because if we have a mindset that is all about seeking comfort, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to know Jesus as your Savior, and you have the mindset of always positioning yourself to be at a place of comfort, you might think to yourself, that means I'm doing something right. That means that is good in the eyes of God to be able to seek comfort and to be able to live comfort because God wants me to be comfortable after all, right? Wrong. And here's the reason why. Because even though we live in a world that is seeking comfort, we need to also understand that Jesus said these words in John 16, verse 33. Some of the last words he said to his disciples. He said, in this world you will have trouble. In other words, in this world you are going to be uncomfortable. In Matthew 10, verse 16, Jesus said it this way. He said to his disciples, I am sending you out, listen to this, like sheep among wolves. Nothing comfortable about that. In Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus said it this way. If any of you, he's speaking to a crowd of people. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So when you think about comfort, and we live in an uncomfortable world, the goal as believers is not to seek comfort. The goal is to embrace the mindset of being uncomfortably comfortable when it comes to stepping out of our comfort zone and doing whatever it takes to advance the gospel to a world that is living in pain and discomfort because they're seeking for a solution, and we got the solution, and his name is Jesus. And the only way we can do that <laughs> is to get out of the comfort zone, the comfortable chair, the recliner, and to step out into a world that we live in each and every day that is very, very uncomfortable. So here's the thing that I want to share with you for a few moments. Because when you think about it, God got uncomfortable for all of us. God came to earth in the form of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came into this uncomfortable world and got uncomfortable for us. In fact, Jesus died an uncomfortable death on a cross. He not only died, but he was placed into a tomb and three days later came back to life. He got comfortably uncomfortable because he knew of what the mission was and that was to get uncomfortable so that you and I could have eternal comfort in a place called heaven. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story where 
a very prestigious, very intellectual, affluent individual, approached Jesus with this question. And he really wanted to kind of get Jesus' response to the question, what is the single most important commandment? Everybody was listening in, and they were all intrigued by what Jesus potentially was going to say as far as his response. And Jesus basically said, well, you know the answer to the question already. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus added another statement because the guy responded with an affirmation saying, yes, yes. But Jesus also added another statement, and he said... But you also must love your neighbor as yourself. That is, that is equally as important. And so the man, in essence, asked Jesus the question. He said, well, who's your neighbor? Once again, trying to put Jesus in a position of maybe saying something contradictory to the law of the day. And so Jesus answered his question by basically giving an illustration. And he told a story that went like this in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Jesus replied, he said, A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money, and they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Notice the connection that Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with pity. He was moved with compassion. Why? Because he saw people who were spiritually lost. He saw them as sheep, having no shepherd, wandering aimlessly and hopelessly through life. And Jesus is putting this good Samaritan, if you will, in the same situation. He saw, he felt... And the Bible says, kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds and medicine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, I'm sure it was the Comfort Inn, where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and told him to take care of the man and he said if his bill runs higher than that he said I'll pay the difference the next time I'm here now Jesus asked the question he said now which of these three would you say was a good neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits and this scholarly very affluent intellectual individual gave the The obvious response, the obvious answer to the question. And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, yes, now go and do the same. So here's a key thought for this series that we're in today. And that is this, to be like Jesus, we must serve like Jesus. 
Because you see, Jesus came into the world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He got comfortably uncomfortable to come into a world that was uncomfortable to share an uncomfortable message so that people ultimately could spend forever in heaven in a place of eternal comfort. So let's think about it for just a moment. So if we're going to be like Jesus, that simply means we got to serve like Jesus. And the question is, well, how can we effectively do that? Well, there are three things. Number one is this. We have to look for opportunities. We have to look for opportunities because Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 9, the theme verse that we've been talking about. Jesus, after he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion because they were scattered abroad like sheep having no shepherd. And then he told his disciples, he said, the harvest is great, but people like us are few. So what I want to do for a few moments is I want to challenge us to think about the opportunities that are all around us because we don't listen we have to be intentional we have to be intentional with looking for opportunities that are sometimes literally right in front of our very eyes in fact in John 4 35 Jesus had just got through giving living water to this woman this this woman who had had this encounter with Jesus this woman at the well and after she left and went back, after she realized who Jesus was, and she, she, she took of this living water. In other words, she put her faith in Jesus to forgive her and to change her life. She immediately left. She bolted and she left her, her water jar and she ran as fast as she could to her village to tell people about this man that she had seen and that she had engaged with and that ultimately had changed her life. And so in this moment where Jesus was standing there, the disciples who went out on the errand had come back. Jesus reminded them in John 4, 35, these words. He said, open your eyes and look on the fields because, listen, they are white, ready, opportunistic. I mean, there has never been a more golden opportunity than right now to share the message with people. And I think, honestly, where we're at right now, living in an uncomfortable world, when you think about everything that has happened, everything that is happening, when you think about where so many people are with so many hurts and so many disappointments and, man, so much transition and so many perplexing issues and challenges that have come against so many people, it's amazing to me how many people are more open to at least have conversations about Jesus than perhaps in my entire lifetime. I mean, opportunities are everywhere. But here's what I want you to go back with me for just a moment and remember. Remember the man that Jesus talked about who was beat up by some thugs, these bandits who, who basically attacked the man. They beat him up. They, they took, his, you know, took everything he had and they basically just left him for dead. And yet what I want you to remember are here are two individuals. You have a priest, you have a Levite, and you have these two individuals who had just come back from worship. 
They had just gone to the temple to worship. <laughs> if anybody should have been cognizant of the opportunity, if anybody should have been seeing, if anybody should have been instantly moved with pity and compassion, it should have been the priest, it should have been the Levite, right? And yet when these two guys came, the first one sees the situation, saw the fact that it was a little complicated, it was a little uncomfortable, it was a little messy, it was a, listen, it was a little inconvenient. What did he do? He kind of observed the fact that the guy was hurting. Obviously, the guy had just been beat up, left for dead, but yet he didn't want to be inconvenienced, so he kind of mo moved to the other side of the road, and he just kept on moving. Same is true with the, with the Levite. The Levite, the temple assistant, comes and sees the man, kind of, you know, looks at the situation. But once again, he saw the opportunity. But rather than being inconvenienced and put into an uncomfortable situation, he remained in his place of comfort and continued about his own business. What's interesting to me is that the priest and the Levite saw the opportunity, but they saw the opportunity as being inconvenient and uncomfortable. You know, I think that oftentimes we come to church with that same kind of mindset, right? I mean, I've, I've been guilty of this. We often will come to church and it's kind of that, you know, what's in it for me mindset. We come in sometimes with that consumer mindset rather than a contributor mindset and sometimes the consumer mindset that we all have listen I've been there done that bought the t-shirt got the keychain you know the bumper sticker the whole nine yards you know about you know man we all love Jesus right but we don't want to be you know inconvenienced too much you know, we, we, we know there's an unbelievable opportunity. We know the needs are everywhere. We know the harvest is great, but the workers are few. We know. But, I mean, come on. It's March Madness, right? I mean, we just want to chill out in the comfort of our recliner later this afternoon and just relax, right? I mean, it's just the world and the culture in which we live. We are conditioned to be comfortable. And yet Jesus is telling us why the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And the reason why the workers are so few is because the few, unfortunately, the few have been willing to get out of their, their comfort, and they've been willing to get comfortably uncomfortable to engage. But the vast majority are still comfortable with being comfortable. And so Jesus, once again, is helping us to understand we have to be willing to look for opportunities. Well, I want to give you some opportunities today. Are you cool with that? Can I give you some opportunities? I want you to um, pull out of your little welcome guide that you came today. And uh, I want you to pull out a little card that looks just like this. A little small, little card and I want to give you a second I know if you're watching online maybe you don't have one of these but uh, listen we'll, we'll send you a link and it, it'll be an opportunity for you to engage with us if you want to participate we have a digital connection card you can communicate in that way but everybody just I'm giving you just a second not too much too much longer because I'm at the clock sticking on me so 
Everybody got their cards? Hold it up if you got your card. Hold it up. Come on. If you didn't get one, hold up your hand. If you didn't get one, hold up your hand. Everybody hold these up. Come on, somebody. I know there's a paper supply shortage going on right now, but hopefully it's not that bad. Come on, everybody. All right, everybody got these? Okay, you got something to write with? So here's what I want to do for just a moment. I want to share with you some opportunities. I want to share with you some opportunities for you to get comfortably uncomfortable. I want to share with you some opportunities where you can be a part of the harvest field. So if you ever asked yourself the question, I wonder how I can make a difference here at Rethink Life Church. Listen, I'm getting ready to walk you through just a few ways. This is not an exhaustive list, okay? This is just a... This is just kind of like a a starter, some baby steps here, a starter kit, if you will, on getting some momentum in your life when it comes to the opportunity to begin making a difference. So let's just walk it through real quick. One of the ways that you can help make a difference is by being what we call our administration team. You say, what is that? That just sounds complicated. An administration team can be basically anything regarding details. It can be data entry. It can be making a phone call. It can be going through a checklist of different things. In other words, if you're a person who is very organized, someone who likes to know and and, and you're gifted at the ability to ensure the fact that everything has a place and everything is in its place, you are very detail-driven, you ought to be on our administration team because it is all about details. That's what administration team people do. Baptism team. You say, what is that? Well, number one, if you have never been baptized, you need to get baptized. But sometimes those who need to get baptized need to talk with somebody who can help explain what baptism is. Maybe it's preparing the logistics for the baptistry when we baptize people. Maybe it's making some of those phone calls. Maybe it's making sure that everybody has their supplies and they're prepared and they're ready. Whatever that might look like. But those are individuals from beginning to end say, hey, we're going to own the baptism experience. Because that is a place where we get to partay. We celebrate changed lives through water baptism another way is through our life kids team listen what what I want every person to know and understand that while we're in here okay we have an amazing team of people that are in the cafeteria because we've transformed it into an incredible environment just designed for kids it is a safe kid-friendly amazing experience that kids get to have. It's age-appropriate just for them. And what you need to understand, it is not babysitting, nor is it child care. We are raising up leaders for the next generation. That's what we're doing back there. We're giving them the Word of God. We're sowing and we're investing into the next generation. That's what we do. And praise God for those who are in there instead of being in here because they understand that is a part of them being in the harvest field. And never has there been a greater need. The production team. Man, these were, listen, these are people who, who, who help with lights and cameras and, 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 and people who help with sound and, and people who help with all of the things that make this experience what it is. It's such a vital, vital team. We have a worship team. 
man, it's awesome to see the, the team that, was, that God has assembled and the people. We have people who are going to be auditioning today right after our service. We're so excited about it because these are people who say, you know what? I may not be an admin person. I may not be a baptism person, but man, I can throw it down when it comes to singing or playing an instrument or whatever it might be because that is my jam. That's what God has put in my heart to do. You know what? Our load-in and our load-out team. We have a handful of individuals, just a handful of individuals who are on the front end who help, who are on the back end who help. But I'm telling you, because we're a portable church, this is a team of individuals that we are 100% dependent upon. If they go down, we don't have church, just to put it candidly. And all it takes is just a couple of hours. All it takes is maybe just a couple of hours out of your month to say, I can help. I can be a part of that. I can help. I can help put some things in place and unload a truck and load it back up at the end of the day. Hey, I can help with that. I can carve out some time to do something like that so that we can go further, faster, and so that there are more people involved rather than a handful that's doing a lot of different things. Our welcome party team, we have a welcome party next week. If you have never been to a welcome party, you need to sign up and come next week. But man, those are people who help kind of host and facilitate all the needs and the details so that that is a great opportunity for people who are new to us and new to this community. We can welcome them and we can provide an opportunity for them to get to know us and for us to get to know them. And we can begin the journey of doing life together. What about a host team? A host team, man, that's the, those are the people on the front lines. Let me just kind of quickly go through that. Man, we have an online host team. Do you realize that right now, while we are in here, there are people who are watching us online. Can you do me a favor and give those watching right now online a round of applause and welcome them into our experience? Man, what an opportunity to be able to share with the world what God is doing here at Rethink Life Church. But we have a lady right now who is literally sit, sitting in the back. And she is engaging online right now as we are, as I'm speaking, she's engaging scripture verses. She's sharing my main points. She's interacting and engaging with people. And I'm telling you, she is touching the world simply because of her fingertips. Praise God for that. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Parking. I have a vision for Easter Sunday to have a minimum of about 20 individuals in our parking team. You say, why 20? Because we're going to need 10 at our 9 o'clock service, and we're going to need about 10 at our 1030 service, because we will be having double the amount of people here on Easter Sunday. Therefore, we want to give them a double blessing in the parking lot, because those yellow shirts are going to be the first thing that they see when they pull up in the parking lot. And we want people to know, we've been praying for you, and we've been waiting for you, and expecting you, and God is going to do great things in this parking lot a lot today. Amen. That's where they first encounter the presence of God, I believe, is in the parking lot. The Connect team. 
And it's an opportunity for people just to connect, get answers to questions they have. Maybe, you know, pick up a gift. Maybe it's just an opportunity to, you know, to, to get better oriented into what's going on and what things that they can be a part of here at Rethink Life. We have a welcome team. You say, what is a welcome team? A welcome team are people who are greeting, giving high fives, saying good morning. We're so thankful that you're here today. These are people who just have a spirit and they just exude high hospitality. Not only do they welcome people, but they serve people through refreshments. And then we have our ushers. Man, thank God for ushers. Aren't you grateful for our ushers today? Man, our usher team, let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than ushers that can't ush. But we got some ushers who know how to ush. Come on, somebody. Man, our ushers are amazing because they are here to help facilitate, to make sure that you have a great experience. This is an awkward room that we're in Honestly, it's probably, I've been speaking for over 30 years in all kinds of situations. This is one of the most awkward rooms. But at the same time, we try to make an awkward room feel comfortable. Not that we're trying to be comfortable because we want everybody to be comfortably uncomfortable. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we're able to organize our arrangement so that people have a good experience. If you have a, maybe a need with a child or maybe there's a, there's a situation logistically you need assistance with, we have ushers that help facilitate and whatever they can do to help meet our needs. And this is an amazing team because this is the secret sauce of our church, our prayer team. You know, what I, you know what my prayer is? My prayer is that before every service that we have an army of prayer people down here just praying, praying, prepping, just setting the atmosphere of this place. Asking God to visit upon this place. Asking for God's presence, for God's anointing, for God's power to fall upon this place. And that happens through prayer. And if you have a heart for prayer and you want to be involved in the prayer team, then I want to encourage you to put a check mark in that box. i got to hurry up. The bottom line is, is that we have approximately about 14 different roles and positions. But this does not mean that if you don't see something that maybe you don't necessarily have a passion for, that doesn't mean that we don't want it. Nor does it mean that we don't have it. At the end of the day, listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I'm just asking you to ask God, God, show me. God, how can I play a role? Why? Because we have to look for opportunities. Opportunities are right in front of us. And let me just say one other thing before I go into the next thing. Listen, this is so important. This is so important. Two things. Easter's coming, gang. Easter is coming. Because we have less than a month for one of the greatest invite opportunities in the entire calendar year to reach people who are far from God, who matter to God. And if there was ever a Sunday they'd be willing to go to church, chances are it's Easter Sunday. And I want to encourage you, if you have the ability and you have the experience in the area of social media and digital marketing... We have a lady who wants to help invest in you and train you some incredible opportunities on ways that you can help us spread the word simply through social media and leveraging those platforms and digital marketing opportunities where you can go further faster and reach more people simply because of the power and the miracle of technology. 
And so if that's an area of interest that you have, let us know. But why are we doing all this? Why am I spending so much of my time doing this? Let me tell you the reason why, guys. Listen, this is so, hear my heart on this. I'm, I don't want you to hear today a message that the pastor is begging for help. What I'm inviting you to is an opportunity because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And God wants to build his church. And the only way that God can advance his church is when God's people are willing to get out of a place of comfort and who are willing to get comfortably uncomfortable to say, God, what can I do? God, how can I be your hands and your feet and your face and your voice to make a difference in people's lives? And God, if it's, if it's serving somebody, if it's helping with something, God, use me. And that's what we're doing. And none of the reason why we're doing it is simply because it is our vision, it is our desire to go to two services. We're offering two services on Easter Sunday. And it has been everything in my spirit to continue that for after Easter. But I'll tell you the reason why, to be very transparent with you, is because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We do not have the ability to sustain two services in a healthy, life-giving way, the way we need to, to help alleviate the stresses that are going on in our children's area because we're maxed out in children's area. That's the reason why we need to go to two services, but we're going to need to be able to say, you know what, we can sustain two services because of the depth on our bench. Come on, somebody. We want to build the bench, not to get comfortable, but so that we can have healthy, life-giving teams. That way, if someone goes down, we've got five more people that can step in. That means that if someone's tired and weary, we've got multiple people who can say, hey, let's share the load together. We are better together as a team. We don't need a lone ranger carrying the load of a lot of things. And be honest with you, we have a lot of that perhaps going on that is unhealthy and unsustainable. And it's very simple. It's just looking for opportunities that God has placed in front of us. i got to hurry. Number two is this. And by the way, fill that out. Put it in the offering bucket as it comes by here in a few moments. And listen, if you have a heart and a passion for something else, simply write it on the back. If you have a heart for discipleship, if you have a heart for leading people to Christ, if you have a heart for, you know, whatever it is that God's put in your heart, listen, if that's your gift, if that's your passion, put that on there. We will be in touch with you. Number two, we not only need to look for opportunities, we need to leverage our time and our money because we all got 24 hours in a day. We all got 168 hours in a week. We all have approximately 730 hours in an entire month. And at the end of the day, we all get to choose how we leverage our time and our money. You know, it's amazing. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, it says it this way. Paul said, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. In Proverbs 3, verse 27, it says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. You know, the priest and the Levite, once again, 
if anybody had the ability to step into the situation and to help with this man who was left for dead, it was the priest and the Levite. But instead, once again, they didn't want to be inconvenienced. They didn't want to be put in an uncomfortable situation. You know what the number one enemy is to compassion? You ready for this? The number one enemy to compassion, to having a compassionate heart, is busyness. There's nothing that robs our compassion more than busyness. And you know what busy stands for? You probably have heard me say this before. I'll remind you again. It's being under Satan's yoke. Because if we're too busy to serve, if we're too busy to engage in the harvest, we're too busy. And therefore it's robbing our compassionate heart for those around us. That's the reason why Jesus pointed out this man, this good Samaritan in verses 33 and 35. It says that when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. He was moved with compassion. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds and with medicine and, band- and he put bandage- bandages on him. And-, and then he put the man on his own donkey. He got inconvenienced. He got uncomfortable. He went the extra mile and he took him to an inn where he took care of him, gave his time, and then the next day he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver. He gave him his money and told him to take care of him. And he said, listen, if the tab gets bigger, listen, I will take care of it as long as the man is taken care of. What did he do? He gave his time, he gave his money, and he leveraged what he had to help save a man's life. The harvest is great. The workers are few. Proverbs 11, verse 25, I love this. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. How many of you want the favor of God in your life? That we have to understand that God has called us because we've been blessed so that we can pour out a blessing on, on those around us. And that might be just giving a couple of hours out of your month to serve on a team. Doesn't mean you have to serve every week. You might just say, hey, I can give an hour out of my week. I can give a couple of hours out of a month. I can serve every other week. You know, pick your terms. At the end of the day, we just have to make ourselves available. Which leads me to the last thing, and I'll wrap it up with this. We not only need to look for opportunities and leverage our time and our money, but number three, we need to lean on God to use us. In verse 34, Jesus said this, asked the question. He said, now which of these three, out of this situation he just explained... Would you say was a neighbor to the man who, who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, he said, yes, now go and do the same. So serving like Jesus is modeling what Jesus came to do. Then we must be willing to get comfortably uncomfortable to serve, to be God's hands and feet in the harvest field 
where the needs are overwhelming. And therefore, God wants us to say, God, I may not have experience. I may not know how to do a lot of things when it comes to serving in church. But God, my heart is to be used to be your servant. Can I share something with you? Knowing and understanding your spiritual shape, which consists of your spiritual gifts, your heart, which is your passions, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. It's your spiritual shape. When you combine all of those elements together, here's what that does. That helps you define your ministry. But listen very carefully. When you take on the heart of a servant, that defines your maturity. Because a mature servant says, God, I'm here to serve you. This is my reasonable act of service. This is my way of worshiping you because when I serve others, I'm serving you. God, when I am sowing into somebody else, when I'm giving my time, when I'm giving, giving my, my tithe, when I'm giving my money, when I'm, when I'm leveraging what you've given me so that my life can be a blessing to other people, you know what God does? God says, because of your heart of a servant, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to put my favor upon you. And what he's desiring more than anything is for you and me to say, God, here I am. Send me, like Isaiah said. Pick me to be in the parking lot. God, use me to be in the Life Kids. God, use me to help host a small group. God, use me to help shake some hands. God, use me to give a little time, to give some direction. God, use me to help make a difference. God, use me to help grow somebody up spiritually in their life. God, use me to help this church go further, faster, so we can put more people into to the harvest field because the harvest is great but the workers are few so today are we willing to say God here I am use me use me because when God saved us listen he called you I hear people say all the time, well, man, I just feel unworthy. To... If you feel unworthy, that's because you have bought into a lie that the, that the devil has caused you to believe because you are still in the past. God wants you to get out of the past and see yourself the way he sees you. And you have been saved. You have been bought back. You have been redeemed. You have been chosen. You have been called. You have been equipped. You have everything that God has given you to make a difference. No matter what you've gone through. No matter what experiences or how painful those experiences might be. I tell people all the time, listen, when you think about your past, you may think miserable thoughts. But God wants to take your misery and he wants to turn it into a ministry to impact people's lives for the glory of God. So don't give God excuses saying, well, I just feel unworthy. No, you've been called, you've been chosen, you've been equipped. 
And so if we are not serving, listen, you've been saved to serve. And if you're not serving, I'm telling you, you are swerving from God's plan and purpose. Because if you don't serve, and I don't serve, the harvest is great. Never has there been a better opportunity. Never has the need been so great. In the next 12 months, they're projecting 50,000 people that will be living within a 10-mile radius from where I'm standing. That's staggering to me. The fields are ripe. God wants us to be the church. Because if the hand is not doing good, the leg can't work right. <laughs> if, if, if the arm is not where it could be or should be, guess what? The eyes aren't seeing as they could be or should be. Why? Because when one part of the body is suffering, all the parts of the body are hurting. And God wants His church to be a healthy, radiant, beautiful bride that is poised and positioned for the opportunity that God has placed in front of us. So let's be the church and let's serve like Jesus. Amen? I hope you heard my heart today. I hope today more than anything... I hope that you catch the vision for what could be and what should be when it comes to advancing and building God's church for such a time as this. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.